There it is. It's the Mexican Soccer Show. It's Monday, lunes. We are going right into it. Lots and lots to talk about today. I'm Weasel from Food Mex Nation. This is very no spiel. It's an hour long podcast. There you get to Mexican football. All of you guys hope that are watching us. Thank you for uh, returning on Monday nights. Uh, we'll jump right into it. Um, we had a little break over the weekend with Liga Mekis, and obviously now the uh, FIFA date has given us two games for Mexico. We'll be talking all about that. I'm trying to get to the question, but I know it's around Chile. I mean, around the um, the match going into it. So now that you know what happened, how do you feel about Chile? And I think that's around the questions. And I'm trying to get I'm trying to get to the question, but I guess I can't do it. But uh, Cesar, we'll just kind of start. You with okay, you. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got, I got, the, I got the question. Figure out the question here, and I'm like, my phone is not going. Here we go. I got I got a question for the night. Sorry, guys. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> my my phone is automatic. All right, here we go. What were your expectations going to the friendly against Costa Rica? And are they higher now going to the Chile match? Mr. Cesar. Hello. Go. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, going into the Costa Rica match, I mean, I mean, I was hoping for a fun game uh, for and one that featured, you know, some minutes for the young players. That's exactly what we got there. I mean, it was a very up and down match, but I thought it was plenty of fun. But I mean, against Chile, I don't know if my opinion has really changed that much. I didn't get a chance to watch Chile's 3-0 loss to Peru last week. I don't know exactly what happened there, but this isn't a Chile that so you should really take for granted. Alexis Sanchez reportedly expected to start against Mexico after some visa issues. And you and obviously, when you look at that roster, you look at some of those names left and right, like Lefnowski, Nico Castillo, Vidal. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I guess my expectation, are they any higher going into this game? No. Not really. <laughs> I still think it's going to be tough. I mean, it's going to be interesting uh, in uh, Querétaro to see what the atmosphere is like in the, the sold-out venue. But I, I would say it's about the same. And I think, I mean, we're not going with scoreline predictions just yet. But I, I think it could be a potentially entertaining draw there. But I don't know. I, I think, I think, yeah, yeah. Uh, expectations aren't exactly sky high after that last win. <laughs> I think it's kind of what we're looking for right now with the players that are <laughs> that are are being called up, and then now how, such small time that they've had to to train. So it's it's kind of hard to kind of predict all these games. Uh, I was definitely surprised. Tom, to you, do you feel a little better at least going into Chile after what we saw from Costa Rica? Um, I don't think it's changed. <laughs> it's not changed that much. I mean, I think these games and all the games since the World Cup, they are what they are. I mean, you know, it's this chance for for the new generation. The same with the September ones. I mean, nobody's getting too caught up in the result. I mean, obviously, it's good to see an entertaining game like the one against Costa Rica, but um, I think the game against Chile is is slightly different. I thought against Costa Rica, we almost saw kind of within this new generation, there's there's these very, very raw players, and I thought we saw those against starting against Costa Rica. And I think against Chile, we're now going to see, you know, the younger the younger, more established players. So like Irving Lozano, I think we're going to see Tecatito, Raul Jimenez, not not young, but he's part of the next process. Uh, Nestor Araujo, uh, Diego Reyes, you know, th- these guys who aren't, um, who are very much part of this next generation, potentially the leaders of the next generation. Um, so I, th- I think it's going to be, it's going to be uh, an interesting, interesting to see where, where these guys compare to the ones that started against Costa Rica, because let's not forget, you know, until Tuca Ferretti made those substitutions against Costa Rica, mm-hmm. Mexico were down. Mexico were losing the game. 
So I think I think we're going to see. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good game, and I think I think Mexico, the team that's going to be played against Chile, is going to be a lot better, a lot stronger, a lot more experienced than the one we saw against Costa Rica. Yeah, you definitely touch on something there. I mean, we saw the differences in the second half when you had the most experienced players, and then you didn't have so many people that are that uh, haven't played with each other. So uh, I'm I'm a little excited as far as we know that we're going to have the better of the teams in Chile. Um, and I also like the fact that we won that game, and it gives a little pressure off. I know there's not so much pressure, and if they would have lost, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But at the same time, it would have been a storyline. You know, five or six losses in a row. Look at the goal differential. Look, you know, the last time we won a game was against Korea in the World Cup. Um, so I, I kind of fact that, okay, that's kind of gone. You know, they did were able to win a game. It was a Costa Rica that also has had some problems, and, you know, they have managerial issues that are coming in, and they finally have, have announced Matosas, but at the same time, you know, it's good to, you know, win, you know, anytime that you beat one of the you know, one of the best goalkeepers, you know, and the way that he did, Keylor Navas and, and Ryan Reese and um, Joe Campbell. So I like the fact that we were going to win and there's not that much pressure going into it. And now here comes Chile, which it'd be it's obviously definitely better off going in and having our, at least a win than facing Chile, which I know people don't want to talk about revenge, but I believe that there's still some animosity there with Mexico and facing Chile. So I feel a little bit better after that one for sure. As far as our responses from the, uh, the from Twitter, uh, the Chivas Mex fan 17 said, I was expecting to lose one zero or something like that. I think they can at least tie Chile from Chivas Mex fan. Um, Caddy, friend of the show, obviously has been on and uh, is part of our Liga MX um, L3 Ang family. That score didn't matter. Rather see potential young players get international experience, yet underlining rule they, lo- they low-key had to win being in Mexican ground. Chile is, is beatable, always has been. Seems like a clean sheet for both tomorrow. Mex 2-1. Man, Caddy's saying that Caddy believes it's... Chile has always been beatable. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. Luca Ferretti's press conference today, because he was asked, like, "Oh, what does Mexico basically have to do to get up to you know the standard of Chile and Argentina?" And it was—I I don't know—I thought his answer was absolutely fascinating was because he said, "He said, well, who did we just beat in the World Cup?" He said, "We beat the world champions. We beat Germany." He said that Mexico's problem isn't not isn't not being able to beat individual teams over one game it's the same as what Osorio said over one game Mexico has got the potential to beat any of the teams it's that consistency um, and Ferretti just basically said you know that's what we need to establish he said it's no good beating Germany and then you can't even reach the damn fifth game you know that's what he, that's what he said and he said you know these young players the, these are the the solution to this lies in these young players and bringing these young players through and I think Ferretti's gone really above and beyond in his comments about this generation. You know, I think deep down, or not even deep down, I think he wanted this job. Yeah. I think yeah, that's I what think happened. Yeah, I think I he also. wanted it. I think the way he's talking about these players, he's talking about this this generation needing somebody to kind of bring them through and guide them. And, you know, he's talking about himself. I mean, he's thinking, I'd love this job to be able to bring through this generation. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it is what it is. I mean, we'll be talking. We'll, we'll talk about t- coach in a minute, and sorry, Seth, and Rob. We'll talk about kind of coaches and what's the status on them. But I kind of want to say that like if everything kind of falls through, and I know we'll talk about that, uh, Martino and, and everything else. I I still believe that if things fall through and there isn't anybody out there 
the Federation and Tigris will sit down and be like, all right, what do we need to do? Yeah, I was going to say, I know we got to move on and we'll talk about that later. But I think that is important to know that maybe, you know, down the line before the World Cup, there is still a decent chance that Thuka could take over. Uh, like, who knows what's going to happen with that next manager, how well that goes. I mean, we've seen in the past, uh, you know, how difficult things can be. Obviously, Osorio uh, had a little bit more stability than uh, some of the previous coaches beforehand who had a very short amount of time. But you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe there's a chance, that, yeah. chance there for Thuka. Uh, yeah. But, but I don't. I think I think what Tuca likes about this job isn't that he wants to. He keeps saying, "I've been there. I've been to a World Cup. I've done it. I don't need this. It's not. It's not an ego thing. I don't need to be there." I think what Tuca Ferretti likes about this job is that you'd have a four-year process to Qatar where you can bring through these players. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what really, really appeals to him because, and with what he's done at Tigres, Pumas, Chivas, what's what's the one thing with Tuca Ferretti? You know, he, he likes to be at a club for a long time, an institution for a long time to develop a team, to develop a playing style. And I think with the federation, he thought, you know, maybe this is the this is the right time now. Um, and obviously, you know, with this new group of players, um, you know, he, I think he he saw that I could be this person to do this. You know, who better than me? Considering how long I've been in coaching in this in the Mexican game, so I don't know, but. You know, I think once it's been rejected, it's very unlikely. And I, I do agree. I agree, Sasev. And you know, you know, when Tuca finishes in with Tigres in three years, you never know. There might be a managerial yeah. change in the Mexican national team. But I don't All think it's point. I don't think the attraction is I want to be there. I think the attraction is I want to develop something. Oh, it could even be 2022, 2026. Like, why why not that? Like, why not that? Maybe he'll be a little bit older then. It might yeah. be like a different Tuca at that point. But I, I think that's still it's still a possibility as well. Yeah, I, I think the age thing is the only thing. But you, you know, Mejia Baron is still there, day in day out, coaching Tigres. So you know, de- you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out either. I hope we don't need Tuca after twenty twenty two. Like you know, we did well, quinto partido. Okay, maybe maybe quarterfinal, something like that. Where eh, Tuca, you know, you're a little, a little too. Uh, we need Tuca to get us to the quinto partido. After that, I, I love you, Tuca, but hopefully we have somebody else. It'll be Piojo uh, for whatever reason. Oh, my goodness. Piojo that went to Europe and coached the Champions League team and then comes. <laughs> Piojo taking charge of Manchester United. They did that whole uh, article on how England should get Piojo. It was hilarious. Okay, guys, let's uh, before we keep going, let's talk about Costa Rica. Um, none of the viewers didn't really get our reactions from it. Like We talked a little bit about glad that there was a win, two different sides. But, Tom, um, give us kind of your, your take on the game. And did you, did you expect that the win, especially so many goals? Um, no, I thought it'd be a really difficult game. I think I predicted a draw, and that was because Costa Rica came with a you know it's, it's a pretty strong team. I mean, most the majority of that team is based in Europe, and they've been playing together for so many years. I mean, you know, um, Ronald Gonzalez really put out a, a strong team there, um, and I think with Matosos looking on as well, I mm. think you know they, they were the, the players were kind of pumped up to to show what they can do. Um, but yeah. I thought Mexico struggled at the back, big, you know, big time. I mean, Jesus Angolo, I'm not sure if he's a centre-back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Tuca's obviously picked him out to play there. I thought Lahoud as well looked nervous. Um, nervous is an understatement, you know, Tom. Yeah, I mean, but but then again, even with Cholos, he makes, he does, 
He's I don't know. kind of crazy out there, right? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think. I mean, he does make the occasional mistake. I don't know if it was anything at that level. I think, at least from keeping an eye on him, he looked a little bit more nervous than usual out there, which yeah. makes sense. It seems like I mean, you were there, so it looked like the Monterrey fans are even like having a little bit of fun. Uh, I guess I say Tigres fans, but Tigres fans in Monterrey, yeah. they were having a little bit of fun with him out there. Yeah, no, definitely, and you know, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great debut, but you know, it's like Tuca said after these players. That's what this is. What they need, they need to these little little bits of experience. Else, else, when you when when else are you going to throw them in? Um, I thought Godinho, to be honest, in the second half, look, you know, he looked like he had more authority in that position. Yeah, um, yeah Angulo with a couple of mistakes, playing out the back and just making poor decisions in his in his playmaking. Um, I thought Roberto Alvarado recently is just he's not been at it at the same level. Um, it's something that Caixinha mentioned as well. After the September international dates, he's not he's not the same player since he came back. So there's something to to look out for. But you know, at the end of the day, I think the substitutions changed. In Henry Martin, I thought was he came out with his reputation enhanced. Um, you know, um, Victor Guzman as well. I thought was he, he. I thought Guzman was the one more than any of them who kind of said, "I belong here." This is my stage. This is where I deserve to be, and I don't think I don't I don't know. I can see Guzman now not letting go of this kind of of this of his spot in the national team. You know, certainly in the squad. Um, so yeah, I thought in general it was you know the substitutes. Jurgen Dam I thought was great. I think you see the difference there. Um, Tecatito I thought looked sharp, um, Tom, which was hold on. Jurgen Dam was great. I don't yeah. know. I, I'm going to disagree there. Maybe it's because I have this like, like this idea of Jurgen Dam, and because once he steps in the field, I do kind of, I don't know, distrust him. I, I I was not that happy with him. I know he got the assist, but other than the assist, I feel like he had a, a number of like, I don't know, inaccurate crosses there. I thought he he had a pl- pretty clear opportunity to take a shot, and that wasn't accurate either. I, I I'm not sure if I, I was really really impressed by him. It also didn't help that you had someone like Tecatito who just looked so much more precise and confident, and just the way that he was dribbling looked so much better than what Jurgen Dam was doing. But, but, but I, I guess the, I, Tecatito I guess the, compared to Dam, what was the impact? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, but because this is the thing with Dam, he's yeah. not very precise. You know what I mean? But the, the ease with the with the way he gets past defenders, I think, plays with the other team as well, and I, I think. Just, I don't. I don't. They know they can't leave him one on one, and I think that 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 messes with the mind of the other team. It attracts other defenders over there and leaves space elsewhere on the pitch. That's yeah. why I think about Dam. Um, go on. I was. Just, I guess the only issue with Dam though is that if he were to do that, perhaps in a position, if if he was a a young striker doing that, I'd feel good about that. If he was a young, I don't know, maybe defensive midfielder, I'd feel good about that. But as as a as a winger, I mean, it just doesn't really excite me. I feel like I, he's got so much competition with the Tecatitos, with the Lozanos, with the Carlos Velas. I just, I don't know, that if you really want to make an impact for the national team, I just feel like you gotta, you gotta, you gotta be a little bit more more better than him. You gotta, you gotta have a bigger impact than I, I know. Indeed, he did have that assist. Uh, you gotta credit him for that. But I just, I don't know, I, I, I'm expecting much more. Uh, for a potential winger there that can have a, a big impact for the national team going forward. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, I that's, still that's think what... Think got a future. I just think there's so few players that have got that absolute raw place, that pace that can beat a player and that scare the opposition, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think he, he, you know, he got that assist. He was a great player. And I think, you know, that's where, that's where you make the difference. You know what I mean? Um, at the end of the day, he made the play that they got the equalizer, basically. Usually, I'm, I'm like here with 
just eating the popcorn watching you guys kind of dis- disagree on, on the whole damn issue because usually I'm on this side and you guys pile, you know, like <laughs> totally come together. We still, that's no, that's not what you mean. Um, <laughs> but on, uh, I guess on this is, I kind of I kind of see both sides because there's always going to be that player that's going to go all the way to the corner and not pass it. We've had it in every generation. I can think of Bena- <laughs> of Medina. I can you know it, I can think of several players that would do that, and their job is to try to disrupt the defenses all the way, and maybe once in a while pass it a, and have a great great assist into the goal. Dam does do, you know he, he does that, and I think coaches know that. And I think that's yeah. why somebody always brought him up. Uh, but then it does get frustrating when we know it's like, una de mas, damn, come on. Like, also, at what yeah. point do you just – everyone knows that that's what you, you're going to do one more of the extra, and you just get rid of the ball and you'll be fine. So it's a little frustrating, I guess, as a fan. But coach no, sure. to keep I mean, calling him If Dam can put it together, he'd be one hell of a player. Like, he'd be yeah. an absolute – I mean, there's a reason that earlier in his career – Top, you know, he went on trail at Man yeah. United, but Chelsea were interested. I mean, the raw conditions that Dam have got has got, you know, very, very few players possess. Um, but yeah, he's not been able to put it together. The only thing I would say though, he's improved. You know, the last couple of years he's got a lot better, and I think, you know, he's, he's arguably now playing some of his best football because he's getting that percentage has it's gone like up. Yeah. I mean, I know, he, I know, yeah. people kind of point to the things that he gets wrong, but if you look at what he gets, he started to get more right now. You know, and obviously, he definitely has to improve that. I agree with Cesar. He does have yeah. to. It is the big. It's just so obvious the problem that Jurgen Daman is in that game. But he's always going to be that weapon that that you know that I don't know. He'll be useful. I mean, he's always going to be around this Mexico squad for the next four years. You know, and if he can improve that percentage, then I don't know. I mean, he can he can he can play quite a few games. I'm not saying he's a starter because yeah. you know, like Cesar said, the competition is strong, but. He's still got something to give, and you expect that when he becomes more mature. I know he's twenty-five, but by the time he's twenty-eight, twenty-five, yeah, you know, by the time he's twenty-eight, twenty-nine. I mean, if he can put that together, then there's still he's there's still a real player there for me. Yeah, and you can't. I mean, you can't argue against his pace. That's for sure. You can't argue against his speed, but. But once again, I just I just would wish that someone at his age would be more consistent. And maybe you're right. Maybe by the time he's 28, we'll see a little bit more consistency from him. But I just I'm not I'm still not convinced by him. I mean, just just one <laughs> decent game. I don't know. I guess I guess we could go on and on about Jurgen Dam because yeah. uh, because but, I guess that's that's the thing about Jurgen Dam is because a few years ago we saw a kid with an immense amount of potential, and yeah, he's not uh, at his peak just yet. But we the reason why we're arguing about him is because of that potential because of that pace, because of the capabilities, like you said, of him to potentially go abroad and he hasn't gone abroad because he's a very expensive player. That's why he hasn't been able to make that leap. But I, I guess that's what's so polarizing about him and why so many fans either hate him and why uh, you see others that really do support him as well. But it's just, it's, it's definitely a polarizing figure when it comes to some of those fringe options for the national team. I feel like Chucky kind of took the spot of Jurgen Dam. We were talking about Jurgen Dam before you know, in the talent that he had, and then kind of Chuki just went, <laughs> and just kind of... Yeah. That's, like, that's what Lozano did, though. Lozano put that together. He put that yeah. Yeah. goal scoring together. He put the assist together, mm-hmm. and that percentage is... Because you can see the same with Lozano. He had that ability to just get past a player. Yeah. You know what I mean? With, with just such ease, you know what I mean? Um, and even, for example, Tecatito has got a degree of that. But that absolute pace to not just get past him, but, you know, go flying through and, and you know, and then potentially do something. You know, I'd, I'd say even Tecatito doesn't have that to the degree. Even someone like Aquino, I don't think quite has that. Um, Aquino never, 
Aquino used to like back, Aquino's back, back, back yeah. and it's like fast, fast days. Yeah, yeah. Together. But again, it goes back that it's that really, really fast winger. And it's, it's, we've seen that over time and time again. Um, in that sense. And that's where I think Chucky kind of just went, boom, he started passing it. And then all of a sudden he just started scoring. Him. Scored it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so honestly, I mean, you look at, you know, you know, Robin and stuff and, um, and Ribery, and you think it's not like a compl- very, it's not a complicated skill that they have. Yep. You just run very fast at defenders. And, you know, especially if you play, if you're right footed and you play on the left, like Lozano has done quite a lot, and you cut in, the defender almost knows what you're going to do. But because you're a lot quicker than him, you know, and obviously you mix it up, then then it's difficult to defend against. And, and Dam's just not quite been able to do that. But I still do think that you put Dam on a field and defenders are scared. I mean, you can't you just you can't leave him one on one. And then if you if your defender pull, comes across, then all of a sudden you got space. Um, and I think he, he does have that um, that ability to kind of you know disorganize a defense. Lots of conversation on Jurgen Dam Dam conversation. And we'll, if you are joining us now, we're talking about Mexico versus Chile. <laughs> that damn conversation. That damn conversation that we keep having. Um, we. Uh, uh, we were talking about, obviously, the Mexico-Costa Rica game. Uh, we really went into the Mexican Soccer Show Extra podcast, uh, Cesar and I, for a quick plug, and we talked about keepers, and we talked about La Jude, so it was all good 10, 15 minutes about about keepers. Um, so if you are interested in that chat, and uh, we mentioned, you know, uh, lots of it going into the World Cup, so a little plug for that for all of you guys that are members. Thank you for for uh, being a part of it. Um, but to kind of end the Costa Rica, anything else positives? Uh, I really like Raul Jimenez. He came in in command. You know, he came back in the PK and scored it. And uh, just, you know, you saw the presence of, of of how much he has not necessarily developed, but if him and, and, and also Tecatito are on the right pace with their clubs and they're playing and they're scoring, and you can see that on the field, you know, Throw some some of the youngsters in there, and and you know we're starting to see that generation, right? That we want to make sure they do it. So I definitely liked how Raúl Jiménez went there. I think he would have scored a golazo on one of those plays where he was just kind of flying in the middle, and you saw uh, how he is. And then again, commanding on his PKs. But what other positives did you guys see? Um, and uh, we'll close it out our Costa Rica talk. Yeah, I think I think speaking of the wingers, I I, I got to bring up Decatito. I think I brought it up. Uh, on that show with you, we saw last Friday that I feel like the last time I saw him playing the Champions League uh, group stage match, I forget who that was against, but he, when he was with uh, playing with Porto recently, I was actually quite impressed. It was one of the more, I don't know, like commendable showings from Tecatito. And there was something there. It was a little bit of a spark. It looked like he was really starting to bounce back. And I was hoping to see that spark against Costa Rica. And I think we saw glimpses of that. And I think we really, really uh, saw like the creativity. That, I mean, from that, I mean, that like vintage 2014, 2015 Tecatita. I saw, we saw little bits of that right there. So I'm really, really hoping that after seeing a little bit of that in that second half uh, against Costa Rica, that, you know, when he's likely given the start against Chile, he really takes advantage of that opportunity. Because as I mentioned, you know, he does have competition uh, uh, when it comes to playing time uh, in that winger position. I mean, you could... I already mentioned a few of the players here, but the Lozanos, the Dams, the Velas, it's just, it's really tough there for minutes. So I think hopefully he takes advantage of that opportunity against Chile. Yeah, I think he needs, he needs it for his, just him himself overall. Not, I think not just for his place with the national team, but he needs to get some confidence back and, and, you know, go back to Porto and start, start scoring goals again and start making assists. And I don't know, um, but we, I think we've talked about him quite a bit, haven't we? 
Um, that you know, he's not <laughs> for some reason he's not he's not found that level. I mean, don't you know what I mean? He, he has kind of taken a drop, but you know, I think for me, the I think the positives were you know Henry Martin the way he came on. I think you got to say he's been criticised. People have asked, and rightly so. Um, you know, why is someone like Martin in the national team when he's not even a starter at Club America? The same's been said about Saldivar. And and Martin came on and, and you know, he he scored the goal. Um All goal the penalty. Or good goals. Yeah, good goal. And he he looked he looked good, he looked sharp, he looked mm-hmm. like he looked like, you know, he belonged with the national team. Well, he looked um, hungry. He looked, he looked so much more yeah. hungry than Zaldivar. I think Zaldivar looked a little lost there. Maybe he was lacking confidence. Martin just looked a, a clear step above. And it's, it's like you mentioned, Tom, just like when people think of Henry Martin, they think like, oh, that guy from Scholes who went to America who had like a few good games. Now everyone's hyping him up. No, he 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 fit in well with that, with that part of that second half that just was really in a resurgent for three in the attack. And I think you do have to give Martin a lot of credit there because he, he did yeah. a, an excellent job. He did an excellent job right there. Yeah, I mean, I think he was. I think he was helped as well because you know you had Tecatito coming on, you had Dam coming on. I think you know if you compare those two players to kind of you know Brisuelo and Alvarado on the wings, I think as a striker, you know, it, def- it definitely helped him the, the substitutions as well, and and also playing alongside Jimenez. Brisuelo um, making a return, you guys? No, Brisuela, no. I, don't think I mean, so. I, I, know, I know you don't want to say that. I ask you like every year or two for this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's a good player, Bisuela, but I just think he's one of those players that, and to be honest, I'd say the same right now about Martin, even though he played well, and, and Saliva um, Bres- is... Bisuela did have a good time, like when he was coming up younger in the Piojo the years, though. Yeah, no, definitely, yeah. All over, but definitely. then he kind of dropped. Yeah, and but I mean, like he's some, sometimes, sometimes players are just good Liga MX players, and that's fine, you know what I mean? And I think Bisuela's career was basically flattened out to that, because like you said, we saw before... The 2014 World Cup, he was one of the most hyped players, and mm-hmm. you know he was playing amazingly well. I think for Toluca at that time. Um, so, so yeah, I'd, I'd say those two. And um, who else? Victor Guzman for me was the was the number one. If you to, for me, if I was to pick out one player that said, you know, this this is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, the amount of, I think there's only Barcelli and Gignac this season who have got more goals and assists combined than Victor Guzman. I and mean, probably Julio Furch. I don't think so with assists. With assists, oh, okay. I don't think if you combine goals and assists, um, Furch is is there. But I can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry, sorry. I'm trying. To, I was trying to kind of think of like comparing Jurgen Damming and Conejito Brizuela when Conejito Brizuela was was well, when he was you know wow everyone was looking at him. It's the yeah. fact that Conejito was able to make those passes back and get to defenders. But Tom does have a very good point there with Victor Guzman, though. I mean, he was definitely one of my, like, one of my, for my player ratings, he was one of the only three players who got the eight there. I mean, it wasn't just for the Golasso either. It's easy just to focus on that Golasso, but just his distribution was, was excellent. I was very, very impressed by him. And I think that as the game progressed too, he got, I think he started to get better and better as well. So I was also extremely impressed by Guzman because my top three yeah. players for the game were Tecatito, Jimenez, and then Guzman. Yeah. And I mean, the, the interesting thing with Guzman as well was in back in January, that was the place where he did his ACL. So you can imagine, you know, I think he's only played 11 games or he started 11 games since then. So he's only, he's only kind of just on this kind of recovery right now. So for him to kind of put in a performance for Mexico like that and score that kind of goal, I just thought was amazing. And then, you know, watching him speak afterwards in the mix zone. I mean, just a guy who, I don't know, 
he was brought up in the same Guadalajara neighborhood as Carlos Salcedo. And I don't know, they kind of share, I don't know, I see a similar mentality as Salcedo in kind of, they're just hard. You know what I mean? They're just not going to be messed with. You know, no, you're not, you're not, they're just kind of made of steel. These guys who just go out there, they do their job and they, they do it really well and they don't feel too much pressure. They Is that just, the neighborhood you, know, you live in, Tom? Yeah, yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> Tom, I've been to Tom's neighborhoods, man. He's, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think that's what I get from Guzman, not just on the field, but I think off the field, he just seems like one of those guys who's, who's driven. You know, I think he said afterwards, he said he said I can guarantee you one thing that this new generation of player, we're not, we're going to give absolutely everything. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to let up a single a single bit. And it's kind of sometimes nice to hear things like that, you know. Just to just slightly bolder statements than the, than the usual kind of thing you hear from players after games. On the chat discussion there, if you're joining us on the, on the YouTube chat and you're there in your computer, Cari Torres is there answering questions and talking to everybody. Uh, Oscar Placencia uh, saying Tecadito showed he was hungry last game, though, which is good. Uh, Leo Cerda asked us about Henry Martin. Thank you, Tom and Cesar. Leo Cerda, you related to Emmanuel Cerda? Remember that guy? That was a... Uh, I really thought he was going to be something, but not. There's another Jurgen Dam type of player. Um, Pantuia's army is there. Great, great. And saying how to draw the gunner. Love the show. Listen to every show. Keep it up. So we will continue to have our chat. Um, really quick, guy. I mean, what's coming up? Moving in from Costa Rica, ending that that discussion to what's coming up with Chile. But first, before going go into the Chile talk, uh, announcement was made. Um, Mexico will be playing in South America. What everybody wanted. Everybody's been talking about Molero's games for the last five years. And it feels like this year, not only Mexico's playing in Mexico, but I believe Mexico's played more games outside of the United States than in the United States, which doesn't happen very often, not counting the World Cup ones either. Uh, Mexico will be playing not once, but twice, Argentina, Messi-less, because I don't think Messi's going to be there because he said he wasn't going to be playing. But um, from why my sources, you know, one of the games is definitely going to be in the Bombonera there. Uh, what a mythical stadium. Um, but I'm still a little confused as to why two games, some people are calling it the Copa Adidas, um, it's it's not a home or away. Just Tom, kind of like to hear your thoughts on on what you think of all of it. And uh, I mean, we have to play some games in Argentina. That's going to be great for whoever's traveling over there. And in the atmosphere, you know, we don't get that anywhere in the world, especially the way that is down there. Oh yes, I think I'm excited about them. To be honest, I think they're great. Um, and yeah, you know, playing playing against them twice. Ideally, you know, it, it'd be uh, it'd be a second game in there. But I'm not really too bothered. I mean. Like I said, I'm all this. Bother. I'm just kind of curious as to why. No, I just think like, no... hey, you don't have anybody. We don't have anybody. We have a whole week. Why not just rest him? I don't know. Like if somebody comes, gets injured on that second game. No, but I mean, it's the, the experiment. You know what I mean? It's not going to be. People will do exactly the same thing. You'll play one team for one game and one for another. And, you know, that's how that's how I think both teams will probably do it. And Do they call I mean, each other and be like, hey, can we play like the good guys on the second game? Because that way, the good versus the young, and, you know, you do the same. Maybe they both they both scheduled, like, oh, we're both going to have, like, one game in Europe. Oh, you too? Yeah, okay. Well, there's scheduling conflicts. Yeah, there's scheduling. Should we just play each other again? Is this what we're going to have? Is that what happened? That's probably not what happened. But <laughs> Yeah. No, but, if Mexico or in the United States would have scheduled Argentina twice in the United States, can you imagine? Oh, this is all for money. This is like, like, 
ultimately, Argentina has scheduled the biggest Molero <laughs> for scheduling two games twice against Mexico. We'll, we'll see. I think yeah. that's hilarious. I'm honestly not too. I don't see. I mean, if it was against kind of. You know, Panama or something. Then I'd be like, "What's the, what's going on here?" But I'm talking about Argentina. Like, like, yeah. It's not like they see Mexico as being this great, great. You know, oh, you're gonna play Mexico twice. Yeah. All right. No, <laughs> like, I'm seeing that seeing on the Argentina. Side. Made it out of well, the group great. stage seven times in a row. We're we're giants of the soccer world, right? Yeah, we're huge giants. <laughs> the most feared national team in the in the entire well, planet. Somebody made like a joke to Argentina. The only team they ever beat is Mexico. And if I was a Mexican, I would be laughing, but I am, and I'm not. But I think it's kind of funny that it's like an ongoing joke. It's like, the only team you ever beat in the World Cup is Mexico, and that's it. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. But yeah, but it, would have, right. I mean, but it would have actually been cool, I mean, to play in Europe. I mean, I'm sure maybe that was maybe the goal beforehand, before doing the, the Argentina games. I'm sure there were scheduling problems with the, I assume, but what the... What is the the League of Nations going on around the same time? But it's but it's an exciting alternative. I mean, it's a good opponent it could end up being a fascinating clash uh with some of the more senior players but if the we see some of the senior players there because who knows what's going on with that right now yeah i mean yeah, yeah. i don't know I, I just think there's there's a kind of i don't know i think there's a tendency right now to be like oh mexico aren't playing moleros and you know they're going to play games in the states again it's not like this is like yeah they're gonna play five games next, next, next year just like they I mean, they're going to the play years. the five games like they always do every year, mm-hmm. and then they're going to have the Gold Cup as well on top of that. And so next year they'll probably play, you know, ten to eleven games, you know, in the United States. The Gold Cup. <laughs> you know, it's not the Gold like, Cup. Gold you know, Cup. The ultimate certain, <laughs> I mean, you've only got a certain amount of kind of FIFA windows as well. So you know, maybe the, they, maybe there's going to be an opportunity for one a year where you don't play in the United States, and you know, then where are you going to play when you've got the European teams playing a different competition? There's going to be a lot of FIFA dates. When, here too. You know, when, the, when the South American qualifying starts, I mean, you're going to struggle. It's it's going to be a struggle. Um, you know, then you've got the Concacaf Nation team league coming up. I mean, it's not going to be that Mexico every FIFA date are going to go to South America and like Tuca was suggesting today and go to play in, in London and, you know, these kind of things. I don't know. It's just, I, don't, I think it's unrealistic. But I, I honestly think I've thought about it a lot and I think even more than going to Argentina and playing and, and you know, obviously that is it's good for the young players. But for me, it's it's kind of, it's only a very a minuscule part of that experience that a player needs and the... The, grand, the, the biggest part of that is actually going to a, uh, you know, a, a top league. And I think that oh, yeah. if you, if I was to have, or I'll ask you to, if you were to have a decision, Mexico can play really difficult friendlies every, you know, FIFA date, or, you know, thirty players go and play in La Liga. It's you know, Serie A. Oh, that's oh, I think, I think that should Premier be the league. easy. That should be an easy question right there because, of course, because that's week in, week out, kind of like competition at a very high level as opposed to doing something that's kind of intermediate. But, of course, I think that the other the other question I think that maybe some fans would have is, you know, why not both? Well, why would I was just about to say yeah, that. <laughs> why, why can't we aim for both? both? Yeah, well, yeah of, of course, I think if we were to it's give hard. a decision, yeah, send them to La Liga, send them to Serie A, send them over to Europe. But I think ultimately people think like if – Mexico has the capabilities if, if everything gets acting together. It's like to potentially do a little mixture of the two. Obviously, we know why they play the games in the States, and it, you know, that's a decent amount of cash. And decent is probably an understatement right there. And obviously, you understand necessity for that. But 
it it would be cool just to see more games outside of the North American region. Not even just saying the United States, but also outside of. I don't know. Uh, I understand why they want to have some games in in Mexico, but just I mean, more games in in Europe and South America. That's all I'm saying. Let's mix up. Let's let's go to Africa. Let's go to like Southeast Asia. Why not? Why not? Let's do, why not mix it up? That was one of the options actually to go to Asia, wasn't it? For the for these games in November, but I don't know. I think they were searching for anyway, But I don't know. I just think show in Japan, dude. I'm down. I mean, yeah, I think just think the international games just in flux right now, and I don't know. There's there's more fetch there's more fetch of FIFA's. That's what I'm looking at. In a Sorry, I think I'm not on. really heard anything. But, no, I, I mean, yeah. What I'm saying is that, like, if you look at the World Cup because of this, the 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 Nations Cup and all of that, there's going to feel like after the World Cup, there was only maybe one FIFA date. After this World Cup, it's every month, except for be, December. It's gonna be really confusing once every like confederation has their like champions and then they play in like the nation's leagues champions which is like a like a weird Everybody world cup but not champions. really world cup but it's, gonna be, it's gonna be like the club world cup but like the nation's league I don't know, it's gonna be I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's a it's a bad time for people who don't know anything about soccer who, who are really trying to get into the game because that's how yeah, all my i'll tell you what what scares me a lot more than the um the friendlies in the states is is the concave nations league yeah, because you know, you know, obviously we're talking about Mexico playing friendlies against Argentina and Brazil, and you know, European opposition, and then all of a sudden, all the confederations. I mean, South America basically has that anyway, don't they? With the with qualifying that goes on for like two, three years. But I mean, um, but elsewhere, imagine every FIFA break, Mexico playing Concacaf nations. You know, Honduras away, followed by Guatemala. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd it's, that's not that's not great, is it? I mean, just for even for the fan, that's not great. I'm, I'm sure for the player playing in Europe, I'm not sure maybe. But then again, so so. But in theory, though, uh, I, I agree. It is a little worse. But in theory, those nation league matches are somewhat replacing perhaps some of the friendlies that we we're supposed to be having during those open spaces. And mm-hmm. during those open spaces for the friendlies, we probably would have been playing up against a, a Honduras, or I guess you still have those five. I'm kind of thinking out loud here. You would still, we, so maybe we'll you would still, still already have, have those five scheduled friendly we'll still games. Still have so five friendly. Maybe, yeah. yeah. But they probably be. Okay, they probably will then be outside the FIFA windows. Yeah, yeah. Or a few true, of them. True, true, true. And to be fair, it's so, not like we're we have seen the Honduras and the Guatemalas on the United States. You know, um, on those some dates. But um, then I kind of ask a question right here. Adrian Terrazas, who was sick, by the way, who couldn't jump on sick. So thank you for all of your 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 uh, remedies that you sent. Lots of alcohol oriented um, remedies, she said. Um, but she asked, she's on the she's on the chat saying, anyone actually like the idea of the Nations League? And Mexican reformist says, I just got here. What's the Nations League? <laughs> I mean, the Concacaf one. I, I, the Concacaf one. We'll have to see how that. Yes. Uh, how that Mexico. goes through. But I, the one from Europe, I'm actually enjoying the one from Europe. It was kind of fascinating to see like all the games recently. I, I, I've been enjoying I the one from from abroad, but I, I'm still unsure about yeah. the Concacaf one. Yes, Mexico, Saint Vincent's, and the Grenadines. Yeah, I mean, the problem is in Europe they kind of categorize them, so you've got like the. You know, you've got Germany playing France or England against Spain, and you know the, the top teams play there, and the smaller teams they can work their way up to get there. Where the problem in Concacaf is, there's only like four really top teams. 
and that's that's probably a stretch. <laughs> you know? Oh, I'm, compa- I'm comparing them to the Grenadines, <laughs> the Bahamas, yeah. and to Cuba, I mean, yeah. Puerto Rico. I mean, like there's those. no really top teams, and then there's kind of top one team our who's, reason, who's um... good, and then one who's <laughs> don't know what the United States is right now, and then Costa Rica that's kind of oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a little talk about you know Mexico as an opponent. We'll we'll see what is happening. We'll continue to have the five games in the United States. Um. Let's chat really quick on some on a topic that hasn't really. I mean, people are paying attention to it, but I definitely wanted to get you guys' thoughts. Um, some of the players now, kind of either reports that are coming out that there's maybe some some tensions there with some of the players in Europe, con- with maybe contracts or when it comes to I don't know if it's commercial or um, kind of the duties that you know you have to do as a player and that they're not liking. I don't know, Tom or. Or Cesar, if you guys have a little bit of information, I know some people have been asking. I kind of got the sense that something was going on through some internal stuff that I found out of some players really upset after the World Cup. Not necessarily about the Osorio thing, but about a group of players that have said, you know what, um, I'm kind of being used and it's not really working as far as football. Like This is not to, to gain us being an understanding and become a better at football. That was the message that I kind of gotten off the record. From some players, from from contact, so I, you know, I kind of just put. I feel like maybe some players are going to come out, and nothing happened, and then we're just kind of seeing, um, you know, other people kind of now have the players are speaking to it. So, what can you guys tell us, um, or Tom or or Cesar on 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 that issue? I'll let Tom take charge on this one because I've yeah, been I mean, I've been keeping it closer. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a new issue. I think there's always been friction between the commercial aspects and the sporting aspects of the national team. And players aren't happy. They never want to come and speak to the press. You know, that's one of the things. That none of them ever want to come and come to the press conferences and stuff. Um, and I think some of the the more prominent faces feel a bit used by the federation, mm-hmm. and that the federation don't give them the amount of money that perhaps other federations given. Um, and then from stemming from that, you've had reports um, that some of the European based players, for example, Chicharito, Layun, Herrera and Guardado haven't been called up because of this issue, because they want to basically cause trouble. Because, you know, they they want to, they, they kind of want to, you know, they want to put the foot down and, and lay out some, some how, how they want to be treated. And then the Federation doesn't really like that. I mean, the thing is, though, it's it's difficult because Chicharito's has been ill, has not played. You know, Layun's establishing himself at a new club. You've got um, Guardado's injured as well. Herrera... I don't know what's going on with Herrera, but um, you know what I mean? So it's difficult to know what's going on. But like I said, it's not, this isn't kind of, I think this is something that that happens um, cyclically with the national team. I mean, if you go back to 86 and Hugo Sanchez and you read what, you know, his agent at the time says about his commercial responsibilities, I mean, it was a joke. And I think the players, and I think, you know, Hercules Gomez as well, I think explained it quite eloquently. The, the the Footballers Association as well. I mean, this is Mexico, this is historic, and they, they're trying to fight for for rights of the players. Um, and obviously, the ones who started that were the high-profile Europe-based players. And I don't think that sits comfortably with people within the Mexican game, not just the federation, but people within the Mexican game. So, you know, the Chicharito right now has the profile to say things and to come out, and, and he, he may well be right about a lot of these issues. But you know, does the federation want someone like that around talking about him? But the thing that the thing is, what you hinted at there, we so it's like sometimes I don't get why the players don't co- just come out. 
mm-hmm. come out with it. And instead of all these rumors and back and forths and like, you know, these sources says or this said or, you know, just come out and say like what's going on. I think it's something that's missing in the, in the Mexican game. Just some real honesty, like this is our issue. This is our problem. Um, it's nothing to do with the national team. Uh, it's not. It's nothing to do with us not wanting to play for the national team. So, um, but yeah, I mean, you see, you know, following the team around, there's friction. I mean, it's just everywhere. I mean, and it's happened for a few years now. I mean, the way the players, a lot of the players treat the press isn't isn't good. The way the federation treats the press isn't great. I mean, it's very definitely kind of keep the the press at length. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the that's the kind of mentality. And then. Um, you know, but, you know, someone like Layun, to be fair to him, and Guardado, they always, always come out and speak to the press. They're one, yeah. of, the, they're the, they're one of the two that, kind of, I don't know, it's almost like they've gone to Europe and, uh, I don't know, they're obviously bright guys as well. That's the difference. They're well, the, the thing bright. is, is that you don't know who, right? So we're lumping in Layun and Guardado, and it could very well be, you know, Herrera saying this. And it's just like, yeah. well, no, Chichari, or you know what I'm saying? And I think that's where the speculation comes in. We're going to just come out like, look, I feel like I'm doing this. I don't know if it's a problem. This is something that we're going to work with the FMF. Obviously, we love playing football. Obviously, we love winning. Um, and we want to make the happy and be there. But at the same time, sometimes if I, we feel that this isn't right. And uh, we're going to come together. And the good thing that there's open communications. You know, like that's what they should be doing. But, but yep. oh no. people start yeah, talking. And, and now, now there's all these kind of back and forth. And mm-hmm. who knows what's going on? Who's angry? Who's and, not angry? And Layun said there's no issue. He's come out and said that. Vela came out today talking about another issue about kind of him sending messages to to somebody on Instagram and then he, he apparently got caught and then Vela say it's a whole fake. But one of the things he said in his message was that, you know, he's not even been able to travel to play with the national team. So that, that that's a quite actually an important statement because it says, one, um, you know, he's interested, he was interested in going. And number two, he thinks he's got a future with the national team because before that, you know, I, I I would I had in my mind that Vela's future with the national team may be in doubt. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think that's where the speculation comes in, right? Because we're lumping kind of everybody the other who's not there, but then yeah. you know, then you see Tecatito coming to the national team, and you know, maybe is he part of that or did he call? You know why they didn't call the other one. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's instead of the speculation. But that's the thing. At the same time, everybody's friends or they'll start saying something, you know, some reporter that's like, well, I got this information and tweets it out and, and comes out. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. All right, amigos. Uh, it's almost time. We got, a, a, you know, 10 minutes. Let's talk about Mexico versus Chile. Um, but before we do that really quick, any updates, Tom, Cesar? I mean, we're still kind of going to the national team. Uh, the talk, if you would have to put who's on the, who's the front runner that you're seeing right now, last month was Tuca, this month was Tata, next I feel month like is somebody else with a two-syllable T name. <laughs> I, I feel like as opposed to like trying to figure out like who that leading candidate thing, I, thing is, I think the more interesting news from last week is that, who was it, Beatriz Ramos, I think, from the FMF, the FMF representative stated that as opposed to 24 candidates, there were 24 interviews. They're interviews! With- which I found. I do not believe there's 24 interviews. Someone's yeah. Whether, whether you believe that, so I, I saw some funny jokes like online, like a bunch of people on Twitter say, like, "Oh, does that mean they just interviewed like 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 one candidate like 23 times, and, my, and then they're just like." <laughs> and Almeida wasn't part of those 23. Yeah, oh, but, I mean, uh, yeah. no, go ahead, Tom. No, nobody else that's kind of leading that you're seeing that we're gonna. I feel like next two weeks some other names is gonna be like whoop. 
No, I mean, that's going to be the, the the national team. Is what I'm hearing. Now it's like it's going to happen. Tata Martino is the number one. At yeah. the end, Guillermo Cantu kind of gave a description of what the the next national team manager should is the profile. Any kind of Martino. Oh. I think, you know, he's been through CAF World Cup qualifying. He's done, he's, you know, he's even worked with region right right now. Um, so I think basically one of the reasons that, you know, this has taken so long is that I think potentially they've identified a legitimate target that they really want and he's there and he can't, they can't speak to him right now. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't believe press reports that Martino has agreed a deal. I mean, Martino doesn't have an agent um, and uh, and I think from what I've heard of him, he's a very professional guy. I don't think he's the type that's going to be coaching Atlanta with Atlanta and then on the side kind of shaking hands with Mexico. Um, so I think basically a lot of this revolves in Martino's future. I think that with Martino, um, he's going to finish the season. And I agree with you, it wouldn't surprise me if more from Mexican national team have to do the job. Let's not forget, Martino is has a very, very good reputation because he'd agreed to take the club before Beckman took it. He'd agreed the terms and everything. Mm-hmm. He, he stayed with New Old Boys because it's it's the club he came from and he just he felt he couldn't leave at the time. But Martino's on record saying that before Peckman he was going to be the Columbia manager. Columbia is still looking for a manager. <laughs> you know? Argentina is an absolute mess right now, but Martino could potentially be in that as well. Even the United States, the fact he's, he's worked there in the country, you wouldn't rule that out completely either. So I think Mexico need a backup option. And the backup option, I think, is Carlos Quiros. Mm-hmm. Quiros is with Iran until January. His contract runs out, I think, 1st of February um, because the, the, the Asian Cup runs till then. And so it's kind of like you can see if you look at it from a time point of view, you're going to have until December with with Martino, and then you're obviously running a risk with losing Kiros in that time. But then you know you potentially got Kiros to go, and Kiros is for me. I don't think he, I, I don't associate him with attacking football. I think that's the the missing link for for me with Mexico and, and Kiros. I mean, obviously he's managed Real Madrid before, um, but I know him when he was at Manchester United. He was the one who put kind of pragmatism into Sir Alex Ferguson's teams. They started doing well in Europe in the Champions League because Kiros came in and instead of playing 4-4-2, they started playing with three men in midfield and stuff when they were playing um, away from home. But then, you know, you watch Iran at the last World Cup and, I mean, I don't know, you can't get much more defensive than that. Yeah. You really can. So they got the results of the World Cup. They had a really good World Cup, but, I mean, that's not attacking football. So, And then after that, um, I don't know. I mean, it seems it seems like the likes of you know, San Paoli and, and Kiki Flores Sanchez, Sanchez Flores, sorry, um, you know, and, and, and Beckerman aren't really there. I mean, and then where else do you look? Well, you know, back home in Mexico, what's, what have you got? Miguel Herrera? I mean, is that, I don't think Azteca would kind of, I think Azteca would be the problem potentially with Herrera as long as, as, as well as other things as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I think there's those two candidates, and then the kind of uh, a kind of drop off between the next ones. But 
Um, I will say that they've been very secretive, so it is difficult to know absolutely 100%. Was our managerial uh, update, and we'll continue to give you guys any updates that we see. And uh, I, like I said, I think one thing that we've agreed on, Tom and you and I, and, and Cesar, is that I think it's going to be a long, long, long process. Because that, you know, I think it's January, February. Then still, we don't have it. It's when we kind of got to go. All right, who are they going to bring? And that, yeah. and that'll be more of a conversation that they don't have anybody. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, it's difficult. It is difficult. I mean, it, it's that balance. And you, and to be fair to them. I know they take a lot of criticism, but if you put yourself in their shoes, what do you do? If you, you've got a candidate like Martino, who you actually believe is the, mm-hmm. he's, he's a really, really strong. And I completely, if they get Martino as Mexican national team manager, for me, it's a massive coup. They've achieved something. They've gone, they've got a, for me, someone who's almost ideal for the job. And then <laughs> even though, even though it's already been criticized in Mexico, it's actually amazing. Even in ESPN football picante, there was there were people saying that there were there were better people than Martino at the on the Mesa, and I was just like, oh my god, I can't believe it. But um, but yeah, I think uh, but yeah, it's difficult. Or oh, what do you do? Do you, do you wait for somebody, or do you kind of just go for San Paoli? you know, or do you go for Almeida? You're not necessarily convinced by. Yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one. Carlos Queiroz is Portugal's manager, World Cup, right? Yeah, I think he's in four World Cups. Yeah, 2010. I think he was. Yeah, he managed South Africa, I think, in 2002. Yeah. And then Portugal, and then Iran, yeah. um, the last two. So he's someone with experience. He's very, very professional. Um, yeah. It was just that 7 0 Portugal versus Korea, actually. 7 0. All right. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep an update on that, guys. Uh, Chile, really quick before we leave. Uh, we, we, we kind of brushed on it, obviously. Chi-chi-chi-le-le-le. Um, really quick, do you think players are – I mean, Tuca doesn't want to say it's revenge, and some of the players now it's just another game. Raul will try to do that. But I don't know. I think fans are still looking to see, all right, here's Chile one more time. And you have those Chile players that I know said a ton after that Mexico match made it a statement to you know to to uh to continue to you know the, this chile that we didn't qualify to the world cup but uh, but during that time was what everybody the whole world was kind of looking at but do you see this this match meaning a little bit more than just a friendly i mean yeah of course because of the seven nothing i don't think that it's going to be on every single player's mind. I don't think every single one is really... I don't think every single Mexico player is going to go out there thinking of revenge. Maybe some are probably thinking about it. Maybe some even from, from Chile are obviously thinking about that one match because some of those within the current roster were involved uh, in that 7 nothing win. So I do think it means a little bit more than a friendly. Maybe I'll say it's, it means subtly more because I, I, I think a few players have even brought it up too. But I don't, I don't think that... Uh, it's exactly going to be the main inspiration point for the Mexican national team players. And especially since uh, I know a few of these guys that are probably going to be in the starting 11, not saying all of them, but I would say a few are probably weren't even uh, within that roster that lost to uh, the, the Chile, that seven, nothing match. So yeah, I, I think it does mean a little bit more. No one can overlook that seven, nothing loss. It wasn't as if that was a loss. It was 10 years ago. You know, that was something that was fairly recent, but I don't think it's going to be the main motivational point for Mexico to do well. I don't think it's going to be the main motivation for Chile to really get another win there against Mexico. So, uh, yeah, it'll be on their minds, but not exactly the focal point. Tom, 
Mexico loses four five zero to Chile. <laughs> oh my god! So that, sad. I just laughed at that. With that game, yeah. and it's kind of like ah, oh, okay. I mean, t- take the Uruguay match and, and you know, kind of, kind of flip that if that was Chile. The scoreline will mean something. Side and note: then, Before, well, I guess you go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know, I'll go after. Go ahead. Uh, no, I mean, I don't know. It's a friendly, isn't it? I mean, it's not. You know, even Arturo Vidal the other day when he was asked about you know Chile losing three 0 to Peru, and he was basically like, "It's a friendly. Why is everybody getting so so mad? You know, we've got to be ready for the Copa America." And I think. Yeah. You know, that's that's the big test for Chile. But, I mean, this is a different Chile as well. I mean, there's been... Of course. It's been yeah. such a difficult, difficult time for the, the Chilean national team in terms of personal relationships, fallouts. Um, it's You know, it's been it's been a disaster. And the key figures from that, you know, double Copa America winning team, are, I don't know, it doesn't seem like they get on. I mean, Claudio Bravo's injured, but he, he doesn't, you know, him and kind of uh, Arturo Vidal, Alexis Sanchez. Then you've got... Um, What's it called? The holding midfielder. Can't remember now. He was in Mexico. It's just Arturo Vidal. No, the holding midfielder we played at, at Pumas. Oh, um, about... no, I gotta look up the roster. And you know, and then you've got Medel. I don't know. He just seems like an explosive mix. So you know, yeah, it is what it is. It's a friendly game, and and obviously, it's like Ferretti said. I think you know, it'd be good to kind of clean that kind of slate. You know what I mean? In, in terms of getting something against Chile, but at the end of the day, it's it's the performance that matters tomorrow. Vargas. What are you going to well, say? I said Vargas for Chile. Vargas. Or Diaz. Vargas, I don't think he's in. I don't think no, he's no, in no. Is that no, who you're talking about? No, no. No, the whole you feel the put in my mind. Yeah, Sudal, Aranguiz, Bocellor, Jara, Jara. Medel, who else was there? Ah, Fuensalida was there. No, never mind. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not that obscure talent name, Alexis Sanchez, is it? That that, that, oh, that, the, that holy, the holy midfielder. That, that, that holy midfielder played for Pumas. All right, well, we'll get that. I'm all, I'm trying to figure out who played in, in that match. Okay, Bobby Charlton. Bobby Charlton. <laughs> I'm sick of Bobby Charlton. That's it. Hello, right. yes. What uh, what happens? Give us your predictions. <laughs> Uh, I think that, um, so when you look at the likely starting 11, and everyone's been tweeting out that likely starting 11, which has the, that European core, which has Lozano, Jimenez, Tecatito, Fabian, Gutierrez, and then you, they can attack, and then you have Araujo and Reyes back there in defense. I do see some worries there uh, at the fullback position. Uh, I, I think when you, you have players like Shaka and potential Gallardo pushing high up, on those flanks, it's going to leave Mexico a little exposed. I think that I, although Araujo uh, seems to be you know, adjusting a little bit out there in Spain, I I think Reyes is still not 100% trustworthy for Mexico. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chile were to capitalize on that. But at the same time, there are some exciting members of that Mexican attack. You look at the Tecatitos and you look at Lozano and Jimenez, who's just been on fire. So I think this could potentially be a pretty exciting game. And I'm going to go with a, a 2-2 draw. I think it could be a lot of fun in the attack. I think it could be a little open, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with the two to two. What do you think happens? I'll go with three two Mexico. Why not? What? Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I just I think something's not right within Chile. I'm not sure whether it's something with the manager, whether 
or or what it is. But I just think it's kind of the group's not there, and I think Mexico. I don't know. I think they're. I think they're enjoying themselves. To be honest. Marcelo Diaz. Players. Sorry. Sí. Marce- Marcelo Diaz. <laughs> yeah. <Sorry>. Bobby Charlton. <laughs> Wait, Rui. Play with Celta de Vigo, yeah. Um, yeah I'm going to go with, I think it's going to be like a three. I don't know. You guys make so much sense. Three, one. I was going to say like, it's again, tail or like uh, a three, two where Mexico like dominates one half, but it's not enough. And the first half is all Chile again. I feel like Mexico and Chile have those type of halves where they just like one dominates over the other. I, wasn't it, wasn't it by the half, halftime on the other game, wasn't it only like one zero? On the, uh, I mean the first. You mean the? No, no, no. The one that Mexico got beat by, obviously seven zero. But wasn't it a halftime only one zero? Or did we? We're already like in demise. I try to forget. I know. That I kind of blacked out that June eighteenth of twenty sixteen. I think it might have been. I think it might be two nil, and then all I know is that I don't think we were playing that. Kind of pull it back. We weren't playing that crazy. It wasn't like a horrible first half for it. So are you sure? Are you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. I'm not entirely sure. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to look back. 16th, 16th minute, Edson Put, Arturo Vidal on the 39th, and Eduardo Vargas on the 44th. Never mind. I was going to say, I don't, yeah, yeah. I guess it was 3 0. All right. Yeah. All right, Chavos. Cool. We can't well, remember anything today. No, that's, that's <laughs> kind of crazy. Okay. Mexico plays Chile. Should be an interesting game. Um, none of us are going to be there. This is uh, one of the first times Mexico actually doesn't have a representation. I don't believe anybody else is not going on, unless Adriana hasn't told us. But that'll be there, so um, watch it. Hopefully Univision doesn't do us dirty and puts us on the bottom. That little screen for the first six minutes. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> dude, that was you terrible. That's an idea. Oh, you my God. That's an idea. Oh, my was terrible, gosh. Dude. It was terrible, man. I mean, I don't, like, hate the U.S. men's national team, but I hated them at that point. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God, man. It was just... It was very, very I think Univision was like, oh, that's right. We don't make the rules in Mexico, so, <laughs> but we have the rights, and we already scheduled the U.S. in this game, so let's just do split screen, which why did, I don't understand why didn't at least, I mean, I don't have cable, so I thought maybe the in it would have the full match, right? But yeah. no, like they were doing the same yeah, broadcast on both channels. I was like, you obviously have the feed. Anyway, um, we'll see what happens to Chile. What time is the game tomorrow? Anybody know? Any research for this hey, Mexican soccer show? <laughs> six thirty Pacific. Six thirty Pacific. Six forty-five. So it'll probably be around seven fifteen. Because whatever it is, it's <laughs> about 10, 10 p.m. Yeah. Seven nineteen. It's thirty minutes plus. And it's funny that you mentioned that because national anthem seven thirty-two. We have a chat. We have a chat, right? Think on Wednesday. <laughs> We have a chat on WhatsApp, uh, all of us, in the Mexican soccer show. And normally one of us is at the game, so we get the actual press release and the actual – and there's a, there's a you know, there's a secret. There's, like, actual start time, and it gives us, like, the minute the kickoff is going to be. Um, and so normally we tell you guys, well, it's going to be, you know, 7.01. Or they were doing these crazy, like, 7.31. So, I, yeah, if it says 6.45, it'll probably be 7.16. The seven sixteen is when you see the players starting to walk out. You're like, oh my god, really? (laughs) So we'll see. They'll start between two. Well, well, it depends. Is U.S. playing? (laughs) So yeah, they are. I I think they are actually playing right beforehand. There you go. So we'll see if they put a double screen. Double screen. We'll be out. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's been the Mexican Soccer Show. Um, We'll join next week. I know uh, Mr. Thomas probably now is is going to be out. 
Opawa B. We'll see you, Cesar, Adriana, myself, Amy, and maybe we'll invite somebody else. So we'll continue to please, please, please send us any questions that you do have. All of you guys are listening to us on iTunes. Again, I ask you, please go on there and message, say something nice about the, the podcast. Um, thank you to all that are on the chat. Lots of people on the chat today. Um, including our very own Gary and also Adriana so on who's there. We'll have Mr. Tom Marshall send us away and say uh, adios. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Tom. All right, guys. Hasta la-